You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory. Thank you to this great band. Why don't we give the band a round of applause for leading us so well. And uh, good morning to you. It's great to be here, and it is my privilege to share some things today from the Word of God. And I've been really encouraged by this service this morning so far for many reasons, but, you know, when you prepare a word, isn't it great to know that God is aligning things already? <laughs> you prepare a word and you hear in the songs being prepared and how Gabriel and how uh, Darius have led us, where we've not even spoke about it, that God is speaking something similar. So I'm believing that I'm carrying something today that will hopefully encourage us all. And today I want to remind us about the importance of us being a people of hope. A people of hope. You know, when hope exists in our lives, it has the ability to change our perspective. Hope helps us to see that there is something more to hold on to. And even in the bleakest of situations or horrible trials that we may go through, hope reminds us that it doesn't need to be the end of the story but that God may say something else. That God will say, actually, I have something that I want to say about this, and what you're experiencing doesn't have to have the last word, and it doesn't need to be the end. You see, the world will sell us an idea of hope, and some of those things are okay. I like some of them. I think some of those things can be helpful. But I've also come to know this. When it comes to worldly hope, and I call it worldly hope, it has its limitations. In fact, I would say pretty much all worldly hope is temporary. I read a great book uh, by that Don of a writer, A.W. Tozer. And he said, look, the world will offer you many things. It will offer lots of great things to you, but ultimately, at the end of your life, all it offers you is a grave. I know, it's a bit deep for the beginning of a message, I know. (laughs) But it really struck me. But what is great is that godly hope, godly hope is based on something else. Godly hope is based on God's eternal promises. And Jesus, who is our amazing saviour, he provides us hope for today, but also he provides hope beyond the grave. And I find that an amazing comfort in my life. And I find that hope to be a little bit more special compared to what the world offers. And so, this hope encourages us to keep having faith. You know, when we talk about hope and faith, there are so many parts of the Bible I could refer to today. I could go through so many books, Old Testament and New Testament, but I particularly like what Hebrews 6 has to say about this issue. And we're going to turn to Hebrews 6. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to Hebrews 6? And I'm going to read from verses 13 to 20, and I believe they're going to come up on the screen as well. And this is what it says. It says, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. 
God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And to give a bit of a background to what the writer of the Hebrews seems to be doing generally in this letter, he seems to be really encouraging a church that seems like they need encouragement. They would appear to be discouraged in their faith along the way. I don't know what's happened, but it seems that there's been some troubles in their faith and in their journey. And he encourages them, or she encourages them, because we don't actually know who wrote it, and no one really can say for sure. And the general feel of the letter is that in the midst of trouble, strife, trials, the author is trying to say, you need to persevere in faith and hope. You need to persevere and keep going. It's basically a call to keep going despite the troubles around them. And the author seeks to promote this perseverance through one key thing, through fixing their eyes on Jesus. That you will persevere if you fix your eyes on this great high priest, the one who has saved you. And then in the passage that we've just read, he uses a metaphor, or she uses a metaphor, when describing what this hope in Jesus looks like. And this verse is going to come up on the screen, what we read already. It says, we have this hope as an anchor. Everyone say anchor. As an anchor for the soul. It's the only time in the New Testament that we hear this description of Jesus is in that verse. An anchor for the soul. And I believe that this is a really powerful idea, that if we can grasp this idea that Jesus is our anchor, it can be game-changing in our lives. It can encourage us. And for that reason, I'm going to put to you today, or suggest to you today, that we all need to grow in a little something, which is the title of my message, which I'm calling Anchor Management. I came up with it myself. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your wisdom. You see, an anchor is something that you'll find on a ship. Hopefully you knew that. And an anchor suggests something that is steadfast. You know, when a ship needs to be grounded or when it feels the force of the storm, it's the anchor that keeps the vessel in place. It's the anchor that keeps it secure. It acts as that safety net and brings that stability in all that it does. And Leon Morris, in his commentary on Hebrews, he says this about this particular verse. He says, a ship firmly anchored is safe from idle drifting. It is safe from idle drifting. And the original idea in the Greek of this phrase, an anchor for the soul. Now, when you think of the word soul, you might think to yourself, oh, okay, that's my internal being, my internal man or woman, my spirit. And it can mean that. But it's this word in the Greek called psyche. Now, if I've said that wrong and you've got some Bible translators here, I apologize. But I believe it's pronounced psyche, P-S-Y-C-H-E. And that word doesn't just refer to your internal person. It refers to the whole longevity of your life. So what the writer is trying to say is that you have an ongoing living hope in you. You have a, a living hope that is long for the rest of your life. It is a hope, it is an anchor for the whole of your life. 
a steadying anchor in all that you do, and it is undisturbed by outside influences. And for us today, I believe that these words should encourage us, that Jesus is indeed our anchor, that he's our anchor today. He brings that stability throughout life in the trials and storms of life. We persevere by taking hold of that hope that we have in him. And I think it's important that we grasp this because I don't know about you, but life isn't always plain sailing. Life isn't always a breeze, as they would say. There are moments where my faith in God has been tested, where I've had to persevere and go, Lord, I need to hold on to something, and I know that really who I need to hold on is Jesus. I need to hold on to him. I need to hold on to who he is. And as I said earlier, generally we do have a hope in God's promise, in that Christ we have the guarantee of salvation, that we've been justified through faith, that through faith we appropriate that, but also, the Christian journey in general is about having ongoing faith, amen? Yes, there's a, there's a moment where we come to know Jesus, but there's an ongoing faith that we need to persevere in, to believe that God's promises over our lives will come to fruition. That what he's spoken over us, as we've just sang, will indeed happen, or we believe it will happen. That he'll give us a different confession, amen? That even when the waves are coming, we can hold to this anchor and say, God, I hold to you because I believe that you will do what you say you will do. That God is our anchor in all of our life, in our personal journey of faith. And so our focus passage I'm going to turn us to now is the book of Acts. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 27. And if you have a Bible with me, why don't you turn with me to Acts 27? And this is a great little story that I want us to focus on today as we think about anchor management and what that can look like in our lives. And to give a very quick introduction, we are coming to a point where Paul, the Apostle Paul, has been arrested and he's been persecuted for the gospel and he finds himself, by his own request, on his way to Rome. He's been persecuted and arrested, but he's on his way to Rome because he's requested it. And as a Roman citizen... Paul was able to say, look, I want to be tried before Rome, before Caesar. And so he gets his request. And so he boards this ship on the way to Rome. And during the journey, it becomes very clear that the sea is going to be violent. It isn't a nice journey. And that sailing at this time probably wasn't a good idea. And at one point when they dock, it's like Paul says to the pilot of the boat, he says, look, this is going to end in disaster. I don't think we should be going. I don't think we should continue on but he's ignored, probably because he's a prisoner, probably because his opinion doesn't mean anything, but he's ignored. And then we pick up the story now in Acts 27, and I'm going to read from verses 13 to 26. It says, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together, because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, 
they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. I just want to say, I think he couldn't wait to say that. <laughs> but now I urge you, this is really important, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, man, courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen. Why don't we all say, it will happen? Just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. And now if you're wondering how the story kind of pans out, Amazingly, Paul and all of those on board, they survived the storm and under the leadership of Paul. And Luke, who writes this story, he, this, the gospel, uh, the, the book of Acts is written by, by Luke. It's like he portrays Paul as this like superhero. You know, he's like this mighty man of the sea, you know, probably like someone like Thor today, you know, waving his hammer saying, I'll sort it all out. But what's amazing is that he shows a different way. And amazingly, they are all saved. And they arrive upon the shores of Malta. And then I'm going to read the first few verses in Acts 28, which is the next, next chapter. It won't come up on the screen, but I'll read them for us. It says, Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and he put it on the fire. A viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. And I just want to share three quick points with you today that will hopefully help us to know that in life, in whatever it throws at us, whatever storm you have faced or maybe even facing today, that you can be anchored in Jesus, that he is your anchor and how you can grow in this idea of anchor management in him. And so my first point is this, Paul had a different confession. Paul had a different confession. You know, what is amazing about this, this is one of my favorite passages on Paul because it really shows what he believed. It really showed who he believed, and it really showed that he was a man of faith. And even though the storm got worse, Paul's faith remained. You know, Paul said to the crew, didn't he? He said that they would be saved and that he had faith in God that it would happen as God had told him or as the angel had told him. You know, Paul wrote a lot of books and a lot of things in the Bible about having faith. He wrote most of the New Testament books. He wrote about justification through faith. He wrote about having faith and persevering in his own way. But you know, when your faith gets tested, what you then say is really important. What actually happens in the storm will really suggest what is it that you actually believe. Anyone with me on that? 
You know, everyone on board had lost hope. But at that moment, Paul found something different to say. They'd all lost hope. There was no hope as far as they were concerned. But he found a voice of faith in the midst of fear. Now, he could have easily drifted away with everyone else's hopelessness. But what I love, church, is that he stood firm on God's promises. He stood firm on the word that God had given him. And he spoke it out. And I want to encourage us today, as a simple point, to keep being anchored in what God says. To be anchored in his word and to be anchored and believe in what he says over your life above anything else. To be anchored in what he says he will do. You know, church, life can be full of battles. Anyone can testify to that. Life can be a battle. It is tough at times. And I want to be victorious over my battles. Amen? I know you do as well. But I've learned something. You can't talk defeat and expect a victory. You have to talk something different that God would give you. Something God would give you to give you hope. You can't allow your circumstances to block out the voice of God or the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't mean that the facts of your problems are not easy. I'm not saying that today. I'm not saying, yeah, just speak out God's truth and you'll, it'll be fine, it'll be easy. No, I'm not saying that. You've got to deal with it. But how you respond will determine how or define how you navigate the journey. Your response is so important in that sense. And I like what Paul said in Romans 4, verses 18 to 21. This is what he said about Abraham. We've heard a little bit about Abraham today, but what I love about Abraham is that he's such a great example of someone who had faith, someone who continued and persevered in faith. And this is what it says, Romans 4, 18 to 21. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as has been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And I love that. And I love the fact that Abraham, in hope, believed and therefore became a father of many, a father of many nations. And I like that phrase, he didn't waver in unbelief. He didn't waver. He wasn't taken away with unbelief around him or the circumstances. You know, to summarize, Abraham didn't allow the circumstances to take him off track. Now, he could have kept thinking about the facts. He could have kept thinking about what was wrong with the situation. He could have gone on to Google if they had Google back then. Now, I know they didn't, but let's say they had Google. I don't know what they would have called it. And he could have put in, what are the chances of me having a baby at 100 years old? And looked at all the results and gone, okay, okay, okay. Mm, that doesn't look very good. Okay, what are the chances of my wife Sarah having a baby when her womb is dead? Okay, let's type that in. Oh, that doesn't look very good either. And he could have looked at all these results and said, you know what? God, I don't know if your promise is going to happen. God, I don't know if I should actually believe what you say you, to believe what you actually said. But what is great, church, is that even though he considered what was happening in the natural, he chose to believe what God promised. He chose to believe what God had actually said. He stood firm on what he had said. And I don't know how you navigate problems when you face them. I don't know what captivates your thinking today or what has captivated your thinking in the past. 
But I want to encourage you to keep being anchored on what God says. To believe God for what he has said. His word in your life. You know, Paul could have gone with what everyone else was thinking. And like Abraham, you know, he could have just said, look, the storm is raging, I'm probably going to die. Or my body is as good as dead, so I'm not going to have that promised child. But what is great is that he also at the same time, he had the possibility. There was the problem and it's real and you have to face the facts. But what about the possibility of what God says? And he chose to focus on that without without actually not thinking that that exists. He knows that exists, but he chose to say, God, I believe there's a possibility here with you. I believe that you will do what you say you will do. And I love the fact that he stood up and said something. You know, he's already been ignored once. But he said, I know what my God can do. And no one was going to silence that voice. He got up and he said, my God will do it. It will happen just as he said. You know, I want to encourage you today, church. If you want healing in your body, you need to confess that God is your healer. You need to say, God, I believe that you are my healer today. I remember a few years ago, I got seriously ill. And truthfully, I got really, really down. I got really, really down to the point that I lost my voice. I don't mean I lost my physical voice. I lost my spiritual voice. I lost, at times, the voice of hope. I lost the voice of God's promises. And it's so dangerous when that happens because you can feel so isolated and you feel, look, God, the promises you had over my life, where have they gone? What's going on in my life? Why is this happening? But you know what, church? I'm so grateful that there were people around me who encouraged me and said, John, you need to confess that God is your healer. You need to say, God, you are my healer. And one particular person, they encouraged me, just as we sang today, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. One person encouraged me there and then in front of people said, you need to sing now, God is your healer. I said, don't make me sing. I didn't feel like singing. I, I didn't have the faith to sing, truthfully. I didn't want to. I didn't like it. And he said, you need to sing it. You need to sing now that God is your healer. And I really didn't want to. Number one, I didn't want to. Number two, I can't sing very well. So this wasn't going to be good for anyone, but actually it was good for me. And I started to sing. And you know, in that moment, the Holy Spirit came. He came in the room and tears were coming down my eyes. And yeah, it was, it was a moment. It was, it was great at that time. But what it did is that it gave me hope, church that I believe, God, these are the facts, I'm facing them, and they seem to overwhelm me, but actually, I still need to speak out what you say and believe that you're my healer, amen? amen? And I had to completely come to a place of saying, Lord, I surrender to you. Lord, I'm going to believe what you say. In the darkness, there were those moments of light that kept me going and kept encouraging me. If you need provision today, if you're struggling, you need to say, God, you're my provider. Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh today in my life. I believe that you will provide for me. I believe that you will see me through. Now, I'm not trying to say you name it and claim it in the name of Jesus. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that you need to confess something different. You need to say, God, I believe that you're my provider. If you grieve today, you need to say, God, I believe you're my comforter. I believe that you will help me. You will be there for me. And I'm not going to give you a false promise from me. I'm not going to say it's all going to be okay. And I know it's going to be okay because I don't. Only God knows. I'm not going to do that. But I can say this. You can control what you choose to confess. 
And if you choose to confess God's promises, then there is hope, church. There is hope in him. I encourage you to find the voice of faith in your situation. Secondly, Paul knew who he was in Christ. You know, Paul was a prisoner on the ship. He was under arrest, and in a sense, his freedom wasn't his own. But what I love is that Paul knew who he belonged to. He knew he belonged to Jesus. He said it. He says, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid. You know, no matter what life throws at us, what a powerful idea that is, that God sent an angel to Paul. (laughs) And the angel called him by name. It's just a little detail this week that I picked up on. I thought, oh, that's interesting. But you know, what an encouragement that would have been to Paul. It would have reminded him, wouldn't it, to say, you know what? I'm in this situation. It doesn't look great, but hey, the God Almighty knows me. My God knows my name. To the point that he sent an angel who said, Paul, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, I'm not saying that when we're in the storms of life, we should expect an angel to come every time. Now, that would be great, wouldn't it? Never mind Uber Eats, Uber Angel. That would be great. <laughs> can, thank you, yeah, yeah. Can you encourage me in the middle of my storm? You know, I get it. It will be great. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Who knows? Maybe it could happen. If it does, please tell me, because I want to know how you pray. But I think we should realize this, that if God knows us and we're in Christ, then we have hope. We always have hope. When our identity is rooted in him, we always have a hope. You know, when you're in the storm and you're overwhelmed, it's easy to forget who you are. It's easy to forget actually who you stand with and who stands with you because you can be so overwhelmed. And I believe that this can be a game-changing idea in our lives, in life's challenges, if we understand that we know whose we are. And this occurred to me about Paul as well, which is a really interesting point. Paul boarded the ship because it was his right. He was a citizen of Rome. He was a citizen of Rome and he could board the ship. That was his right to come and stand before Caesar. Basically, he had the passport. He had the right passport which was a big thing in those days. And to be someone who was classed as a citizen of the Roman Empire, it was seen as a huge privilege. So his citizenship in Rome got him on the ship, but it was his citizenship in heaven that saved him from the storm. You know, as I said before, the world will offer you lots of great things. It will offer you privileges, and some of these are good and needed and necessary But you know, when you know you are in Christ and you know your citizenship is in heaven, the blessings and what he offers you go far beyond what this world can offer you. He can put you into places that you never thought you could go and he can deliver you from places you never thought you could get out of. And it's because, why? Because Paul knew who he was in Christ. You know, what a great idea as well, just salvation in Christ. I just want to remind us again, we spoke about it. I think Gabriel shared a little bit today. What a hope we have of salvation in Jesus to know that after this life, we have something else because God has promised it and we have hope in Jesus. You know, every day, that is a hope for me, no matter what I face, that if I'm included in him, I have access to all the heavenly promises because that's what Jesus says, that's what it says in Ephesians. I've received all the spiritual blessings in Christ and my citizenship might be here in Britain, but my true citizenship is in heaven, amen? And all of heaven's armies and all that is there is part of what God has put under my feet as well. 
And finally, and I'll invite the band up now, Paul's purpose was bigger than his pain. You know, Paul was someone who was familiar with painful situations. He had a lot of pain. But what is interesting is that in the whole of Paul's life, when you read it in the book of Acts, and even when you refer to some of his epistles and his letters, it seems that God was always working towards a big purpose for him, a bigger purpose of what he wanted to do in him and through him. You know, Paul had a promise that he would get to Rome, that he would stand before Caesar, but they landed on Malta. And it's great that they were saved. It was good that they were saved, absolutely. But he landed on Malta. Now, I'm sure Malta's nice. I'm sure it's a great place. And if you're from Malta, just say, you know what, I like Malta. I'm sure it's a nice place. But there are times when the promise still seems quite far away. And you can ask yourself, look, God, you said that this was going to happen. I believe this was going to happen. But what am I doing here? Why am I still nowhere closer to where you said I would be? How is this part of the plan? And if that's not enough, when they arrived on Malta, it says that Paul was bitten by a snake. It was bitten on his hand. And I'm sure that that bite was painful. I'm sure that it wasn't nice to experience on top of everything else he'd been through. But his response, again, Paul's response is great. What did he do? He shook it off. He shook it off into the fire and he kept going. And what did Paul do after them? Well, we are told, if you read on in Acts 28, that what he did is that he laid hands on a sick person and then they were healed. This is my point. The same hand that was bitten by that snake was then used to bring glory to God. He'd been bitten, it was painful, I'm sure, but God still used him to bring glory to his name. Why? Because he was the Apostle Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. He was there to go and bring the kingdom of God. That was his purpose. He was the apostle Paul. He wasn't the apostle Payne. He was the apostle Paul, called to be an ambassador for Jesus, called to bring healing to people through the name of Jesus, called to share the gospel. And I just sense that some of us need to know today that your pain doesn't need to define you. Your pain doesn't need to be the last thing that you feel but you may need to shake it off and say, Lord, I might be on a detour. I might have been battered by the storm recently. I may have been through some tough times, but I'm gonna believe that my purpose is gonna speak louder than my pain. I'm not gonna allow pain to define me, but I'm gonna allow my purpose to speak louder because you have a purpose in Christ for me. Now, I'm not dismissing your pain. But your pain shouldn't be your anchor. Jesus is your anchor. And his purpose over your life is your anchor. And we can refuse to be dictated by our pain today. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know whether someone wronged you years ago or even recently. I don't know if you struggled with something. I don't know if it's health issues or whatever it is. But I want to encourage you today to keep focusing on your purpose and not just think about your pain. Believe that even God in this season could use what you're going through for his purpose. To have a different perspective and a different mindset. You know, if you connect with, more with your purpose than your pain, you'll have hope. 
And the ship was destroyed. That's what we're told. The ship was destroyed, what Paul was on. But that doesn't mean that God's finished. God can still rebuild. He is the great restorer. Even when we go through horrible, painful things, he can still restore. He can still help us and grow us. And it doesn't need to have the last word. But actually, God would say, you don't need to be defined by what has happened, but actually, you can be defined by what's going to happen. And actually, what we see at the end of chapter 28, the last part of uh, the book of Acts, Paul got to Rome. How did he get there? By a different boat. He got there in the end. Now, all the brokenness had happened, but he still had a purpose. And what did he do in Rome? He preached the gospel. And God's word was fulfilled. Why? Because his purpose was bigger than his pain. Pain was part of the journey, but pain wasn't going to define him. It was his purpose that would define him. And I don't know what you're going through today or what situation you're in or what you've been through or how you're feeling today. And as a response, I'm just going to simply invite you today to remind yourself and to come to God and say, Lord, you're my anchor. God, I want to be anchored in you. I don't want to be defined by anything else. I don't want to be defined by anything that is not of you. Lord, I'm going to believe you that you will do what you say you will do in the face of the facts. And I'm going to believe that in you, I have a promise in Jesus that I have identity that is rooted in him. And I'm also going to believe that my purpose can be bigger than my pain. And as we respond today, I'm going to ask us all to stand. I'm just going to pray for us. If you know you need to respond to this, respond in the way that you need to. If there's pain in your life, if there's pain that you haven't dealt with, I'm not saying it's not right for you not to deal with it. You should deal with it, absolutely. But maybe you need to say, God, I'm going to shake it off. And I'm going to believe, Lord, that there is more for me. So if you need to respond in whatever you need to do, you might need to lift your hands to heaven right now to the God of all nations, the God who is greater, yeah. If you need to respond now to this and say, Lord, you are greater than it all and your purpose will prevail in my life and your promise will prevail. Lord God, I thank you today, God, that you are indeed the anchor in our soul for the whole of life today, God. And today, Lord, I pray for everyone here and I say, Lord, would we know, Lord, that as you as our anchor, we have an eternal promise in you, firm and secure, that cannot be shaken today. And Lord, we come today, Lord, with whatever it is we've been through, where the storms have battered us, where the storms have raged against us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would come today knowing, Lord, that you will bring us through, that you are the one that gives comfort and hope. You're the one that gives us the word to stand on, to have a different confession. You're the one that reminds us that in Christ Jesus, we have been saved and therefore we have an eternal hope that goes beyond this world and beyond this life. And Lord, where our pain in our life, the pains of the storms, the pains of what we experience have held us back. Lord, we say no more today in Jesus' name and we shake off that snake. We shake off that pain that may be on us and we say, Lord, release us from that, Lord. Let us continue to walk in our purpose and believe, Lord, that our purpose is bigger than our pain today, that your promise is bigger than any confession of man or this world, but your promises are eternal and yes and amen in Christ. So we come today, Lord, and we say, bring freedom into our hearts, into our lives. Let us see you deliver us, Lord, today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.